we are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Can I just give you an insight into the shed guitar? Yeah, go on. So, progressively through the three seasons of the football sheds, the guitar has not been tuned because it will ruin the intro music. Yeah. Do you want to hear the guitar being played in an, in an A minor? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. That's pretty good. Pretty That's good. awful. Um, can you play a tune on it? Yeah, you ready? Yeah. I'll play Wonderwall. <laughs> Doesn't sound that different. Yes. Well, I mean, welcome to the football shed. Yeah. We will be touring soon with uh, Jeff on lead guitar. <laughs> um, Rog, what are, you, what are you drinking today? Uh, I've got a selection, John, um, of fridge beer. I've got a Two Birds Golden Ale, uh, which is a <laughs> Christmas beer. Yeah. I believe that that was beer of the year in Australia a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. I don't okay. think I've ever had one. It's all right. Uh, and I have a uh, Saint Etienne, which has a label suspiciously like another big European beer. So where where does Saint Etienne come from? Um, I believe it's brewed in France, in the, <laughs> what, the French hills. What shop did you purchase it in? <laughs> well, I believe it came from Aldi, John. Rog, you're drinking an Aldi beer. You're a beer wanker. What's happened? You spent too much time with Jeff. Fridge beer. Fridge beer. Love a fridge yeah. beer. They just spawn from the fridge. Did Jeff put it in your fridge? No, no. It was bought for its use um, as a mosquito repellent rather than drinking. <laughs> okay, I'm done with that. Good. Well, we are the Football Shed. Um, we are a weekly podcast by us three English blokes that live here in Melbourne. We record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, if you do enjoy it, give us a review on Apple, um, subscribe, tell your mates. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed Podcast and we appear. And every week we start with a question. This week's question is about Spurs, who played this morning in the League Cup. Um, now, Spurs are third in the league right now. Compared to Arsenal's invincible team in 2003-04, how different is Spurs' point total to Arsenal's was at this point in the season? I'd say that Spurs have more points than Arsenal. You reckon they have more than the Invincibles? Yes, I'd say that. How many more? Because the Invincibles drew a fair few times. They were the draw merchants at the time. I remember calling them draw merchants. <laughs> draw merchants. <laughs> uh, Isn't that man who sells Chester drawers? Yeah, they were a merchant <laughs> in furniture. In furniture. Um, I think that Spurs have six more points than the Invincibles did. I think that Jeff's silly. Yeah. I think it's going to be closer than we think, but I think it will be less than the Invincibles. So I'll say uh, they've got Five points less than the Invincibles. They have one point less than the Invincibles. But I think that's incredible, considering Spurs are third and six points off the top, and they're doing better than the only team that's ever gone undefeated. We we talked about it last week. Yeah. You know, and the the, maybe the easier teams are crapper. Crapper. Have you heard the the petition to for a new word? In, you don't look don't look at my, my notes, Rog. There's a there's a petition for a new word to be added to the English language. Oh yeah, Spursy. Now, <laughs> what would you think the definition for Spursy would be? Losing to Wolves when you everyone thinks you might win the league. Flaking. Oh, you're very close, Rog. The definition to Spursy, which I hope will be snowflake. <laughs> To consistently and inevitably fail to live up to expectations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, that sounds quite spursy. How good is that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I like it. That's a good description of Roger, I reckon. Very delighted there. Spursy. Have we got a, a three-horse race, though? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's a three-horse race. That's exciting, race. isn't it? Yeah. I think it depends on what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Like, Spurs got a couple of big games, but I think uh, at the moment it's a three-horse race. But before we go on the Premier League, should we talk FA Cup? Yeah, great. So last week in the FA Cup, Five Premier League teams are already knocked out. It's the greatest cup competition in the world, John. Well, is it the greatest cup competition in the world, or do Premier League teams just not care and play second string teams and then lose? We spoke about this last week, and we almost predicted the fact that the bottom teams in the. Okay, uh, so chicken or the egg? Well, I'm not sure whether the bottom teams in the Premier League let it go because, you know, deep down they realise that too many competitions, concentrate on the league, that's great, or. They're the bottom in the league because they're a bit crap, which means they're worse than a Division 2 team that's flying. Yeah. I, well, the team that I thought was interesting, though, was Leicester. So Leicester are seventh in the league. They're not going to get relegated. They've not got hopes of getting into the top four. Um, they might scrape a Europa League place if something happens or whatever. But they've got nothing else to play for, really, than the FA Cup and finishing in the top of the Everton Cup at seventh. <laughs> the Everton Cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they lost 2-1 to Newport County, who are in League 2 and awful. Quality side, Newport County. Bit, bit of a cup pedigree, though, Newport. Yeah, yeah they did draw with Spurs last year. Um, and but not Leeds, But if you're a Leicester fan, they just beat Man City... And they beat Chelsea in the league. So you can go and beat Man City and Chelsea in the league. But would you rather beat them in the league, finish seventh, or get to a cup final and actually win a trophy? Like, for me, it seems Puyol at Leicester's had a bit of a rough time recently. And the fans aren't really on board and the players don't seem to be really on board. You go and get two massive results against Chelsea and Man City. And then you just go and choke in the FA Cup. It seems really dumb. Depends on your ambition as a club. And there's a caveat to that. It's not just a sweeping statement. But if you were to talk to a Wigan fan right now, you and you say, okay, well, would you have rather stayed in the Premier League? So for those who don't know, when Wigan won the FA Cup, they went down the same season. So they were qualified for Europe by winning the FA Cup, and they were in the Championship playing UEFA Cup games. Yeah. Like It was a pretty incredible sequence mm-hmm. of events. If you talk to a Wigan fan now and you say, would you have rather stayed in the Premier League or won the FA Cup? The vast majority would tell you that they would have rather won the FA Cup. 100%. Same so, with Portsmouth fans. Yeah. Exactly right. So, now, Portsmouth fans probably didn't want to see their team drop like a, like a stone <laughs> yeah. attached to a dead person's legs <laughs> being concealed by the mafia. Yeah. But I, th- I feel like the... They're top of league too now, they Flying. League oh, one, they're, sorry. They're flying. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely flying. Um, I, I feel like that means it depends on your ambitions as a club. So... If you are a Wigan or if you are a Portsmouth, you don't necessarily aspire to get Champions League football. Now, Leicester, who won the league four years ago, mm. was it four years ago? Three or four years ago. Uh, they aspire to be in the Champions League. They, they experienced that three years ago. That's their, their aspiration is to be in the top four. Now, now whether you're going to say that's founded or not, whether you're going to say it was a crazy season, it doesn't really matter. Your ambition as a club is the league because that feels realistic to you. If you're a Wigan, your ambition as a club is to just do well, win a club competition. But I just don't think Leicester... I think Leicester have got their priorities wrong there. If in 20 years' time, if you look back at Leicester, won the Premier League, and three or four years later won the FA Cup, you go, oh, that era of Leicester must have been amazing. But they've just given it away. Like, they've just gone, no, oh, we'll play a bunch of subs and we'll just give the game away. And I just think it's really underwhelming as a fan, of a Leicester fan, 
to just go oh well we just won't even try it's, mm. yeah, it really annoys me like, I'm, I'm with John on this like I don't, I don't Leicester aren't going to make the Champions League they might maybe they make the Europa League but I think they you know they should have enough squad depth to be able to try and play for the Europa League and go for a run in the FA Cup and when you know as you said with Puel struggling mm. a bit you know a, a cup run whatever we say about the FA Cup and you know losing its magic and teams not caring and stuff anymore fans do and I think if you go on a run in the FA Cup it gets exciting because it does mm. you know when you get to the quarterfinals and semi-finals teams do play their their big teams you get to go to Wembley yeah. and I think Leicester uh, would have been a shout and with like five teams going out already, one of which is Leicester. But if you go through, big team Liverpool are out already. Like yeah. there's teams that have gone already that are, would have been favourites. And in the next round, what Man United yeah. have Arsenal? So there's another one gone. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, and this is something that I'm probably going to bang on quite a lot about today. But we we're in the transfer window. I'm not going to move on to transfers because it's about yeah. the FA Cup. But you look at the the pathway of players, right? We look at the. Phil Foden's of the world and, yeah. and the what's his name Sanchez is that his name Sancho San, not Sancho the bloke who's just left Man City Diaz Diaz, Diaz. So, Diaz. So, so we look at players like that and we talk about Hudson Odoi and we look at these players who are knocking on the door of the first team but not getting there who are fed up and frustrated and going oh I'm going to go to Germany or I'm going to go to Spain I'm going like, to I'm not going to wait for my chance because there's no there's glass ceiling here in my own club and then you see clubs tank in competitions that have a pathway for those players to prove themselves but then you, you look at those experiences so you think that if you're a if you're a club that have gone okay I'm going to play a bunch of kids then those that for that bunch of kids that is their chart that is their pathway these cup competitions create a as I said, a pathway for players who are not getting into the first team to get into the first team, impress, be on the bench next week in the Premier League, and then be in consideration. So to not perform in those games is a tragedy yeah. for those players. But where I, where I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think where they go wrong with that is if you tr- change your whole team, it's very difficult for the players to be familiar enough to play good football. Yeah, so they, haven't I think the, they haven't played together. They haven't got that continuity. So I think the way that you do that is you you bring in some, but you know you don't. I mean, I think Liverpool were a prime example of that. They just changed too many, and they just looked like a bunch of strangers playing together. And and I think whereas Man City brought in a few of their youngsters, and maybe it's the City machine, you know. They but there were still a fair few, um, you know, of their first team playing, like De Bruyne run the show. So but okay, but is De, Bru- is De Bruyne in their first team this year? No, he's not. He's coming back to fitness. That's a pathway back to fitness for De Bruyne. <laughs> Mares played. Is he in their first team? No. So so no. Man City can change eleven players, and you wouldn't even notice. I don't just mean because it's the city machine and they all know what they're doing, but it also is the fact that the 11 players they're going to bring on, you can shut your eyes and they're first team players. Yeah. Like, you can't bring on Mares and De Bruyne and go, okay, well, we're bringing in our, our, our subs here. Jesus. The cup. And, yeah. yeah, like, it, it's outrageous what they can do. Their squad depth is like nothing I've ever known. So, yes, they did rest players, but shit, you couldn't tell. Liverpool clock came out after they lost to Wolves 2 1 and said that. Uh, They'd, a lot of their players have got sick and there's been an illness around and then there've been a few injuries now I don't know whether he's just making up bullshit like I don't like I, it's one of those things that if Jose Mourinho said it I would have gone no that's nonsense you're just lying but because Klopp said it and we all love him and believe everything <laughs> he says what kind of sick 
Well, give, I don't give me know. some substance. Gastro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gastro? Yeah. Was it gastro? Yeah, or they, they got so cold? five of their players got sick. What sick? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> Come on, John. <laughs> I, I didn't ask him. He just told me on the radio. Um, and Lalana pulled out late um, with an injury. Lovren got injured after six minutes or whatever. So he was just like, oh, it's because of the injuries and illness. But I... Like, yes, may have happened. Or maybe it's him just going, we'll pay a weaker team. If we get through, we do. We don't don't care. But he's kind of twisted it so that it's like, oh, no, it's not uh, we've played a weaker team and lost. We've got sick. But, you know, I think that for Man City, for Spurs, seeing Liverpool go out of that competition is... Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm just making a noise. That, like, the last thing you want is a rested Liverpool when it comes to crunch time this season when you've got to play two games a week. Yeah. Like, that's good for Liverpool. I know, and that's because of the aspiration of the club. So, I mean, yeah. obviously everyone wants to win the quadruple, but for the Liverpool trying to win the title, they need as few fewest distractions possible. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, on other um, Thanks, Rog. upsets, <laughs> um, Fulham lost 2-1 to Oldham. Now, last week in my end feature bet, I bet on Woking to beat Watford, and at the time said it was a stupid idea and should bet on Oldham to beat Fulham. And I didn't do it. It was paying $10, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was interesting about the Oldham game against Fulham. They Fulham were a goal up and then playing a league one side. And the Oldham coach is a guy who was the academy coach four weeks ago. And they fired their manager on Boxing Day. Um, run, run of bad results and stuff. as They just fired him. And so they went... Oh, they haven't got a huge club, so they were like, oh, we'll take the academy. The guy's running the academy. Can you coach the first team for the next few weeks? He wasn't even the academy coach, John. He was the stand-in academy coach. Yes. Because they got rid of the guy who was coaching the academy. (laughs) So he's the stand-in, and he had bought a ticket to the game, Fulham v Oldham, because he's a big fan. So he was really excited about going. And then was like, oh, oh, I'll just coach the team. And he was trying to get a refund on his train ticket because he couldn't get his money back for his train ticket to go down there. (laughs) Outrageous. But now he's coaching the team. And then they just go and beat Fulham. See, there you go. There's an FA Cup story. Yeah, which is awesome. Another upset was um, someone called Bristol City. Wow, I don't know if this was an upset. (laughs) John. Were you upset? It's a bit controversial. It was, uh, that's nine, nine games unbeaten for... Bristol City. And you beat Huddersfield 1-0. Uh, beat Huddersfield 1-0 at home. Uh, got to talk about the goal. It was a bit of a special goal by Josh Brownhill. Who's Josh Brownhill? Is he good? Is uh, he... he is good, yeah. He's, um, Sorry, Brownhill. Brownhill, yeah. His name's Brownhill. Yeah. yeah. They're running out of names, aren't they? <laughs> um, uh, that's not first in the list, is it? <laughs> oh, Brownhill. <laughs> he's got about eight goals from midfield this year. He, um, was it a three more from Jimmy Left Testicle? <laughs> There's talk of him, uh, you know, maybe going in January. Yeah, there's okay. a few sniffing around, sniffing uh, around Tommy Two Legs. But it was a look. Let me talk about his goal. It was. It, it, it's worth worth a watch. Uh, nice Cruyff turn, and then you know beats a few, and um, keeper should have saved it at the near post. But it was a funny game. Like it, it epitomised Huddersfield's season in a way. In that first half, they were pretty crap. Uh, Bristol City probably should have scored a few. Second half, there was a for a fair spell of the game. Huddersfield were well on top, but they just had no cutting edge whatsoever. You just didn't feel like they were going to get a goal, yeah. which is kind of what's been happening to Huddersfield the whole season. And you like they, I think to me that you know we talk about them prioritising the Premier League, but I it's another negative 
I think they needed a win. I think mm. I just I don't think that it helps them. I just think it continues that air of negativity, particularly when you're bottom of the Premier League. There's a little bit of a gap, mm. um, and they just can't they just can't buy a goal. Moyes still out. They're, they're calling for Wagner's head. Have you seen, seen there's, there's a Wagner out campaign? Yeah. They're using the old Arsene Wenger banners. Same plane. They're like, oh, we'll give it half price, go on. <laughs> they just go Wagner out. Put a pen over it. Um, but yeah, they're actually looking at um, looking at giving them the chop. This word on the street. Um, I just wouldn't get rid of him. Like, Huddersfield should not be in the Premier League. They got their... Massively overachieved. Yeah, yeah, they overachieved and basically got their bikes in. The fact they stayed up is utterly ridiculous. But mm. they've, it's just one year too far. What do you achieve by firing him and hiring Big Sam or whatever? You destroy the ethic of the club. You might as well keep him. If you get relegated, at the end of the season, he's probably going to go anyway. And, and he's done well and he's got a reputation enough that he can go and get a job somewhere else. But rather than going, oh, we get a stopgap and then that stopgap that we get but we get relegated anyway. Oh, we're going to get rid of him. And then you're starting over completely again. You might as well keep the guy in the club and know that you're going down and make preparations for next year. And he knows that. Play young players. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think you, you do what they did at Burnley. Yeah. You, know, like you accept that you're going to go up and go down. The fact that he stayed in the Premier League one season shouldn't disguise from the fact that they were no, rubbish last year. There was talk of him being um, manager of the year last yeah. year just for keeping him up. Because of know? what he achieved. That yeah. doesn't change just because your results aren't so good. The results should have been like this last year. He was just exceptional last year. But you can only ride the wave for so long. I think you're right. If it's 10 games to go and they're already relegated, why shouldn't he plan for next year? Why shouldn't they be investing that money yeah. sensibly in someone they trust who can already take him up? I, and he's a very good coach. He's a, he's more of a coach than a manager. You know, he's not just this master tactician or whatever. Yeah. He makes players better, yeah. and you can tell that because the majority of the players for Huddersfield started out worse than they are now. Yeah, and they were all average Championship players, and they all got to play in the Premier League because of him. But Enjoy I, it. I I also think that they're by no means gone. Like you know, yes, they're bottom of the league. Yes, they're struggling. But there's a lot of weak teams in the Premier League this year. And I actually think recently, like probably not so much the last couple of games, but they've had a spell just before Moy got injured where they actually played some really good football. Mm. Didn't necessarily get the reward for it in terms of points on the board. But I I hope that they do spend a little bit of money in January or or otherwise try and get creative to get someone in, get some goals as a striker, get Moy fit again. And, you know, they're... I mean, when you look at it, and they're eight points behind Cardiff, that's a worry. But mm. <laughs> like, that's, that's, always, that's always a worry. But, but they are there. You know, you, you only need a few wins, and you're back in it. And I don't think there's anyone better that Huddersfield are going to get to coach that club. Agree, agree. Um, last little bit on the FA Cup. The fourth round draw is out. We've mentioned Arsenal against Man United. Um, other Premier League ties is Palace against Spurs and City against. Burnley, Man City against Burnley, which means there's three more Premier League clubs that are not in the cup. John, what about the Cahill Cup? Well, that's the next one I've got, is Millwall-Everton. You must be excited about the Cahill Derby. The Cahill Derby, you reckon he's going to fly over and stand on the line? (laughs) In one of those half-half kits? (laughs) Is uh, Marco Silva still going to be there? He got the dreaded vote of confidence from Moshiri this morning. He did, Moshiri said that, I think the quote was something like, we put a big bet on Marco and we're with him for the long long haul, something like that. Which Um, usually means you get sacked on the weekends. (laughs) No, I I think that... um, 
what the club need. Everton are underperforming in the one league. One win in eight. But well, yeah, the whole we discussed it last week. The last five weeks, you know, December has been horrible for yeah. Everton, and the problem is that the most fixtures in the league are condensed into that period. Uh, I think <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, winning, winning the FA Cup. Though. But Everton are on twenty-seven points, and to be up to. 7th, 8th, you're on 29 points. So, yes, the league position is not good enough, but they're two points off what would be considered an okay league position. You know, it, it's really... It's naive to think that this is now struggling. He is... The difference between him and Sam Allardyce, it's chalk and cheese, and players take time to adapt. He's bought new players. I feel like Everton needs stability and Marco Silva needs stability... And they are both a manager and a club that is willing to invest in that stability. If Everton finished 12th this year, is that okay? Yeah, it is. Yeah? And I say it is because the because progress is not just about where you finish in the league. Yeah. It just it just isn't. We, we, we look kind of on the veneer of it and we go, well, was it a good season? Yeah, great. Okay, um, we can go Burnley. They had a great season last year. But, but as a football club, as soon as the next season starts... We're expecting Burnley to be in the bottom half of the table. So, so the yes, fine, they, they had a good season, they finished half the league. So if Everton finishes, you know, finished in seventh, great, good season. But I actually think that the progress a football club can make on the back end is probably more important than a one-off good season or, or a two-off good season, yeah. however it looks. The fact that Everton are investing a lot of money, building a stadium, paid off all their, their debts, have a director of football who is a smart, experienced bloke, there's... A bottomless pit of money that can go into that club and invest in players and the fact is the first year of investment they made some really stupid choices bought about seven number tens yeah. and and then <laughs> fucked them all off again because yeah. none of them were good enough I think that that was naive from a man who was new to owning a football club and thought okay if I spend 100 million pounds we're going to have success and he's taken a step back and he's investing so if Everton finish 16th that's not a bad season because of the everything else that's going on at the club and I genuinely believe the, the positive trajectory of that club is something that sooner or later people won't ignore yeah nice okay good one um, League Cup was this morning Spurs beat Chelsea 1-0 in what for me is utterly ridiculous the fact that we have two leg semi-finals in the League Cup like I half watched it this morning because I was half interested and then got to do it all again in like yeah. two weeks time but Chelsea, Spurs won uh, one nil against Chelsea from a penalty that was awarded because of VAR. Uh, I watched the VAR scenario. It's a penalty. I don't know, like it's a penalty and it's not offside. And I thought VAR worked well. It did apparently take ninety seconds for the actual decision to be made. It's very very close offside. Um, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't offside. That's the yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. But in terms, I just mean in terms of it taking a bit of time. Yes. Like they they. You know, and that's where it is amazing in that a linesman has to make a decision in the blink of an eye, whereas this, they've got lines on the pitch, they break it up into little quadrants, they mm. run it at various speeds. Like It's it's pretty advanced way of establishing if a player's on site, and you feel like if they're going to that level, you're probably going to make the right decision. And, but also, the, the, the linesman and the referee and the VAR suite in England, they're not used to it. Now, there were VAR incidents in the A-League this week, and when you're live at the stadium, the the big screen just says top left corner in it just goes VAR check. Yeah. And it's just got a little red lights that are flashing and then the little red lights go green. And no, no play is stopped. It's just if an incident happens and play continues to play, you're like, oh, well, was that a handball? Was it not? And you can see in the top corner of the screen in the stadium that they're checking it. Then if it changes colour, they go, 
referee blows his whistle and goes to check on the screen. They And the only reason why it's that smooth is because they've been doing it for three years now and they know what they're doing. Now, the referees in Australia are notoriously... Well, I don't know if they do know what they're doing. Well, the referees are horrible. However, the VAR structure here works well. Mm. Now, what the problem is, the referees that are looking at that screen are just like a bag of potatoes. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. again, you might as well get a Labrador. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but, the, but the system itself works very well. And the referees in the UK are just not used to it yet. So it's going to take time for that to bed in in their, in their psyche. The last thing I want to say, I know you want to talk, is that I the most annoying thing about this VAR incident is Jermaine Genus. Oh, really? What did what he, he say? say? Oh, he goes, oh, the thing, the thing I hate about VAR is the uncertainty. I was like, well... Actually, Jermaine, what about not having VAR? Is that certain? What are you on about, you <laughs> moron? <laughs> um, well, because, yeah, for me, watching it, it was definitely a penalty, and it was an offside, and it was a good decision. The thing... It took 90 seconds, so the thing with the crowd being aware of what's going on, they're told a VAR check's happening, but there's no information. I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, you can't show the replay, I think, because it makes it too confrontational in the stadium because everyone will have an opinion then and then everyone shouts that opinion but they do it they do it in the A-League they show the replay they show, the they show it you see it and you see it just like the cricket they rock the, the footage back and forth and you can see it you can see the referee watching it and you can watch it on the big screen and you debate with the person who's sitting next I to you I think you, you think. have to do it because it engages people yeah and I mean you know you look at the other sports that have done it in cricket keep they do it keeps the crowd engaged in tennis um, you know, whenever they do it, you get the crowd doing the whoa, like when yeah. it's you know, and I think that's important because if you are having pauses in play now, cricket and tennis are a bit different because there's more natural pauses, so it's yeah. it doesn't work as well in football. But I think if it's going to take ninety seconds, you have to have some sort of way of engaging keep, keep, the crowd. crowd we're engaged, we're yeah. too precious. We know that thirty minutes of every ninety minutes of football, the ball is out of play. Yeah. We're being too precious about the, about about breaks in play. Yeah. No, I, I I would agree to that extent. But also the other thing that bothered me about the VAR this morning is they didn't have the monitors set up next to the pitch, so they haven't done that in the UK yet. Where at the World Cup, ah. you know, the referee or in the A League, they run over and check the screens. Yeah. The referee, who was Michael Oliver, I think, just has to listen to his um, someone else, what else and yeah. then they say it is or it isn't. Whereas and they're not even in the stadium. So they're not aware of the atmosphere, of what's happening at the time. They're watching on a monitor in somewhere else. Yeah. Whereas if I think if you're there right there, you get an understanding of the atmosphere and what's happening and maybe also more aware of the urgency of how quickly this needs to happen. But also it should be, Michael, I think you need to go and check this. And he goes over to the screen and they go, oh, we think it is a penalty, but what do you think? And it should be him making that final decision. The only issue with Not that. a man in a... But, but we talked about this though in the world. I think it was in the World Cup, in terms of the added pressure then that the referees are under, in terms of making a decision, standing there, or every single person in that stadium is watching them, and yeah. it's not in the game. They're not as aware of that because things are happening. It's just you're doing your job. But if everything's stopped, you imagine if it's a big incident and it's complete silence. And then you go over there in your little box, yeah. and you've got to and you just make a decision. Around. And and I, I definitely think that that would have an impact on your decision. And I think what would happen is they're probably more likely to make a decision 
you know, rather than say it's not something, they'll go, oh, I'm under a bit of pressure. And your default reaction then is to often go, you know, I, I better make this call. I'll, you know, but, go for a penalty. But I, I disagree. I, I, I think that they're under intense pressure the whole time. And the, and the pressure they would feel if the whole crowd felt there was an injustice against them for the rest of the game is just as intimidating as spending 30 seconds no you don't notice it you don't notice it in the game things are happening players are running around you don't you're in the zone you don't notice it if everything stops and you've got to stand there in a little box where everyone looks at you you may as well be nude or something (laughs) (laughs) but but in that scenario what what i think should happen because what happened this morning was that they told him over the radio it's a penalty I think they should go, we think it is a penalty, just to get confirmation, can you go and look at it? And so, and even this is why we think it is a penalty, because the keeper's rushed out and he's hit him here, and it's a penalty. And so you aren't, he's not making a decision as such, he's just going over to reconfirm why the decision has been made. consultation. And that's what happened at the World Cup, that's what happens in the A-League, and in the World Cup, towards the latter stages, it worked brilliantly. We were all converts towards the end. At the beginning, it was chaos, it was like living in a washing machine, but at the end, it was great. And that, I think the best example of VAR in a sport where there's a lot going on is in Rugby Union, Mm. and in Rugby Union, the thing I like about it is that they... There is very good communication between the referee, his linesman, and the video referee. Mm. They're essentially a team, and they're well oiled because of it. And they talk; they have a conversation. Yeah. So you get different. You get an objective view from essentially four referees on yeah. a decision. And I feel like in that case, you're generally going to make the right decision more often than you're not. And that and that happens in football now. We just don't hear it. So they're constantly yeah. talking to each other. The linesmen and refs are constantly on radio going, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And they constantly communicate. And we just don't hear it, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, um, but why would VAR be different? Like, yeah, is what no, we're it, saying. It, like, it, I think just keep, you know, just add, they just become another part of the team. It shouldn't be like a black box. It's not the same as the goal line thing. Yeah. Um, where it, it it either is a goal or it isn't. Yeah. Because there's always going to be so many shades of grey that it's still going to be an interpretation. You're just providing them better mm. information with which to make their decision, and therefore I think it's important that you have, you know, collaboration. It's not just a let's ask the black box whether that was a penalty or not. What look, do you think? We're, we're going to look back in. I'll move off of VR because people are going to get fed up of us yeah. banging on about it. But we're going to look back in 15 years' time. And this will be like our parents debating the offside rule. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, this is the future of football. Um, let's move on to transfers. Um, Jeff, did you, you mention transfers earlier? Yeah, you? I just want to um, highlight the genius of Liverpool Football Club. Okay. Wow, you've been. Are you thinking of changing your colours? No, there I, no, I've just been all about Liverpool. I just lately? like did a bit of research, and there's been. Um, yeah, that is surprising, isn't it? Oh, that's a, what a horrible <laughs> year that is. Sorry, everyone. Um, Liverpool make a lot of money out of some very average players. Let me hey. read you. Let me read you a bit of a list. Okay, go right. on. For Solanke, they just sold him for nineteen million. He's not average. No, okay. He's made like three Premier. He scored one goal in seventy-nine games or whatever. Uh, Sacco. Yep, Mamadou Sacco. Twenty-six million. Benteke. 27 million. Crystal Palace are the idiots in that. <laughs> <laughs> Every other team is the idiots they, in this Danny Ings, 20 million. Now, wait a minute. Earlier on this year, you were raving about Danny Ings Look, saying what let he was me, Let, me, let me finish the list, Rog. Let me finish the list. Jordan Ide, 
15 million. 15 million. Yeah. Joe Allen. 10 mil, 12 mil. Joe Allen's good. 14 million. I think Joe Allen's good. That is a lot of money out of players who essentially would make up oh, a team as good as Southampton. Oh, see, on... They also bought some of those players for a lot of money too. Yeah, Benteke, I can see that an argument for that. Saka, I think, is okay, but always injured. On Solanke and Klein, who have both gone to Bournemouth in this window, I think Solanke has got the ability to be one of the best players around. And if he gets a run of games at Bournemouth um, and he can start scoring, I like two or three years, he'll be a regular in the England squad. He's brilliant. So why... He has had two chances at two very. I'm being played devil's advocate here because I do actually rate Slanky. But why, when he has been playing with good coaches who do give youth a chance in their time, in their teams, has he not broken through in either of those clubs? He's never been the main man. He's never been the main striker, and he's never been given a run of games. He's never been told for the next. As a young player, he needs to be told for the next twelve games. Don't worry about whether you're picked or not. Just go and play your game and get confidence. Get used to being the main guy who comes out every game and is starting up front and is trying to score goals. Don't worry about whether you're going to get dropped or not. Whereas he comes on for Liverpool for five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes here. Oh, you're playing this game against a dead rubber Champions League team that we've already beaten. And then there's suddenly pressure. I've got to score a hat-trick in this game. Otherwise, I'm not going to get in ahead of Firmino, Salah, Mane. So he needs to be playing, and he's not. He's 21 years old. He's never been first choice for any team ever. Well, there's one thing there where he has, and where he has got some continuity, which is in youth football. Yeah, for England. Or for all levels of youth football. And because of the way it's being run better now, you've got players playing a lot together. And Solanke, and this is where I think he can do it as well, because he's been brilliant. Like he scored the two goals against um, Italy for the under twenty ones the other day. Yeah, he was player of the tournament in the player, under twenties. Player of the tournament under twenties World Cup. Like he, you don't, you're not, you don't do that if you're an average player. I, I'm with John. I just think he's never really got the continuity of games, and he's not gonna fit into the Klopp team up top because he doesn't have the same, uh, doesn't press. Like say a Firmino, which is what Klopp mm-hmm. wants. He can't. I don't think he's got that aspect to his game, and so he's just never gonna. It's a bit like Sturridge; just never gonna he's, fit in. He's a cleverer player. He's more yeah. like a Harry Kane. He's not pace. Um, more like a Teddy Sheringham. He might drop deep. Berbatov. He's clever, but he'll also get you goals. And um, I think he's got it all. But he just needs to get a run of games. So do you think he'll get that at Bournemouth? Hopefully, like as an England fan. I want them to sell Joshua King or Callum Wilson so that he plays because I just I just think he's not he has the ability to be not far off Harry Kane but he just needs to play. The word on the street is it Callum Wilson is going to Chelsea? That's a possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard today that they put a bid in for Higuain as well. Yeah, yeah, and or that's... a swap deal maybe with Morata and Higuain. I'll bite, bite their hands off Did, them. Uh, I know we've gone off FA Cup. Yeah, we're on transfers now. Have you seen the highlights of Morata? Yeah. Oh my god! Like he scored two goals, yeah. but in the one game, probably had three misses of the season, including one from on the goal line, and he somehow got it over the bar. Like the guy just—I used to think he was quite good, but he just 
like cannot hit a barn no door with a banjo. Yeah. I, I can't believe you can come walk off the pitch having scored two goals and feel worse than you yeah, did when, you, when you got it. <laughs> like he's in that run of where, however well Morata does. He's gonna do badly. He's just—he's a bad news story. Whatever. Happens. Remember that game earlier in the season where he scored two goals and he was on for his hat trick and he tried to round the keeper and he overkicked it and it went yeah. out. Yeah. And the only thing you hear is how he fucked up his hat trick, yeah. not how he scored and two goals. Also, the whole crowd goes, "Oh." <laughs> so, but it's happened a lot, which makes you question: Is it just a run, or is he just not very good? I just—I no, I think he's good. I think he's just lacking in confidence. But the merry-go-round started, right? So Fabregas is meant to be on his way, isn't he? So Fabregas is meant to go to Monaco, um, and he basically said farewell to the Chelsea fans. And a bit of a him. cry. Missed a penalty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's going to Monaco to try and help Thierry Henry. Out of a hole. <laughs> Arsenal teammate out of a hole at Monaco, who are still in the relegation zone. Doesn't that just strike you of Moyes getting uh, the whole ex-Everton inside yes. into Sunderland? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I need someone. Anyone who's old and knows me. Um, Vicente Ibora has left Leicester, Rog. Mm. He was your last year surprise player of the year. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was going to be the guy that rearranged the Premier League. He had a good, good spell. He's so. not the bloke who, who signed late and didn't get a game. No, that's no. Silva, Andre Silva. Ah, he left as well, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's gone alone somewhere. The world's Vicente worth signing. Ibora's gone to uh, Villarreal, I think, or Sevilla um, in Spain. Brahim Diaz, who you mentioned earlier, Jeffa, has gone from... Uh, Man City's Real Madrid as a 19 year old for 15 mil now I can't remember if we touched on this last week but Man City are losing some really good players like mm. how when do you stop just hemorrhaging the best young players in the world well, and it does, becomes a problem when you when you stop having the best first team and the best second team in the world <laughs> like we've got to put these things into perspective and so, what, what Sané and Sterling are both under 25 uh, Stones Laporte uh, yeah. take them off put Mares right. on Mares and De Bruyne come on for an FA Cup game you're not even going to get an FA Cup game because we like, their second 11 is yeah. better than yeah. Everton's first 11 like it, so we when I say we, we get precious about certain things, I think we get precious about having clubs lose these players. And I think that if Diaz, 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 Diaz was better than other players from Man City, he would be on the pitch because they are the machine and that's how they work. And it's not about who you are, it's about how well you perform your given task by Puppet Master. Yeah. And if he could perform his particular task well, then he'd be playing. And so we, we see this and we see them go and we're looking at um, what's his name Hudson Adoy for Chelsea and there's a lot of talk about um, and here's the interesting thing so Hudson Adoy to Bayern Munich that's the yeah. that's the rumour and right? now 35 million they've bid 35 yeah. million for him so they really want him and obviously the the rhetoric around that is Chelsea should be playing him they're going to be in the same position that Man City were getting rid of Jaden Sancho they'll regret it they'll regret it but if Sarri thought he was good enough for the first team, he'd play him in the first team. But Chelsea have also come out and said that until they get a replacement, they're not going to let him go straight away. They're going to have to get a replacement, which makes me think that these other players that we bang on about that should get a chance, the um, Loftus-Cheek, the Ross Barkley, the Drinkwater, actually, they're not good enough either. So so we get we kind of get beholden to these situations. Oh, isn't it sad for these young players they are going to get never get a chance? But the calibre of football up there in the Premier League, they might just not be good enough. However, the flip side to that is if you are a club, sorry, I know I'm banging on it. If no. you're a club in another country, you can see that there is a gap that you can get a ready-made £50 million player for a top Premier League club that is perfect. 
100% perfect, which means that Premier League clubs invest a lot of money in building up these players. And if they have someone who's 95% perfect, who's never going to be, without the game time, isn't going to be 100% perfect. If you're any other club in Europe, you look at that and you go, okay, well, I'll have him or have him or have him because I'm going to give him 10 games and I'll get him to 100%, which you're not willing to do. And when we see clubs tank out of the FA Cup and tank out of the League Cup and not give them that little bit of, uh, you know, a chance to show themselves, I think it's a shame. But for the rest of the world, this is a good thing. And for English football, this is a good thing. And I don't mean English league football. I mean, for the national team, it's a good thing because these players will remain at 95% until they get a run of games. Do you think Hudson Odoi should go? If you're Hudson Odoi, you're 18. He just got picked. He started in the League Cup semi-final this morning and the FA Cup game. I got an assist, didn't he? Which stinks of desperation to go. Mm. Don't go, we'll play you, please. And he looked really good in the FA Cup. Both yeah. his assists were, were, were very good. If you were him and you're 18 <clears throat> and Bayern Munich come along and go, we'll pay you for... Thir- well, not pay you 35 million. We'll pay 35 mil for you, which shows a lot of confidence in the fact that you're a good enough player. Um, and you're obviously a lot younger than Frank Ribery and Aaron Robin, who must be about 90 years old between the two of them. Um, would you go? Of course I would go. I'd go in a blink of an eye, and not necessarily because it's Bayern Munich, obviously, because it's Bayern Munich, that would be great, and because of everything you just mentioned. However, I would go because I would have been in the youth team with Loftus-Cheek, and Loftus-Cheek made the opposite decision and is now dusting the cobwebs off himself. Yeah. And and that, if you've seen that and you've been given promises, and when Loftus Cheek went out to Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson said he was the best, you know, the most well rounded player they had at the club, he'd do anything to sign him. And and Chelsea didn't let that happen. And he went back to Chelsea and, and he was promised he could fight for his place and he'd be part of the first team. And you see that just not happen in the league. If I was any one of his youth team mates who'd won the youth cup six years in a row or whatever it is for Chelsea I'd look at that and I'd go no matter what they tell me no matter how many FA Cup games they give me there is no pathway into this first team because when Pedro who's about 39 years old gets gets shafted on they are literally in the market for a replacement for Pedro they are not looking at me as a replacement for Pedro yeah, and so they bought, gone and they bought Pulisic recently that's exactly right and but, why buy Pulisic Pulisic is is the fo- okay, I, I've convinced myself he's the five percent better than the because he's had game time. Yeah, but it's a bit different with um, the slight difference with Odoi and Sancho as well. Is there will be quite a lot of pressure on Hudson Odoi if he goes to Bayern Munich for thirty-five million. Sancho went to Dortmund for it's about eight mil. Yeah, that's a massive difference. And now because he's been successful, there's more focus on our in players that are going abroad. So I think that almost makes it more difficult for him to to succeed. So it's about time. Do you think that Barcelona? Rue every single Barcelona B player that that gets scattered around the world. No, but, but they, Absolutely not. Fabregas went to Arsenal. PK went to Man United, and then they just go back. They go back. Yeah, yeah they, they go back when they when they. Jordi Alba was Barcelona. Went to somewhere else. Came back. back. And and then there's players. Uh, uh, Delafeu went back. Yeah. You, so there's players who really. De La Feu is not in the same. But bracket. he went back to Barcelona. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. So they let. Oh, what is, what is Sandro Ramirez yeah. <laughs> now, do you think they look at that and they go oh, if only we let give them a chance in our first team squad no because Barcelona's first team squad is so good that even if you're that good at Barcelona B and you can walk into the majority of football clubs mm. actually why rue the miss because if you're not good enough for us you're not good enough the only thing I disagree with you on is that I think a lot of times it's a bit of a myth in that they, you talk about them going out and getting these players that are the, that five percent better. I actually think a lot of times they're not. 
and I think that there are players that are in England that are English that are just as good they're just not given the opportunity but there's been this culture for a long time of we can go out and get cheaper European alternatives that are as good as these guys but they're ready to go they're a bit older and we'll go and we'll buy them in and the like who's the the epitome of it that guy Arsenal signed um no sorry Chelsea Bakayoko from the Monaco yeah. team yeah like and they had um Chalabar sat they right had Chalabar sat there like and you're just like this kid is great he just needs to play some games and you go out and you spend 35 million on a guy that comes in and is rubbish and it happens all the time I mean that's a noticeable one because it's a high profile signing but there's so many players that come in from Europe in that you know now 5 to 15 million quid bracket when there's alternatives there but there's a culture of going overseas and and that's as much of it as it actually being a football decision but there's a there's a culture of going overseas in every other footballing country apart from England Mm. yeah and it has been it has hamstrung the British, the English national team, for years. Uh, yeah, the fact that there hasn't been a mixture of influence and and a player that that is on the I'm not say his first name on the team sheet, but always gets a go at England is Eric Dyer, and Eric Dyer was trained at Sporting Lisbon, so he has a different type of footballing culture, and I think that we've been screaming for that. So now we're seeing it, and we're not seeing our best players go like. 10 years ago 15 years ago it was David Beckham who was going it was Michael Owen Owen was going Steve McManaman was going Yeah, it was the cream of the English player that was going now it's not now clubs are looking at the 18, 19 year olds that they can actually mould into players because there's no pathway in their Premier League club I think it's a good thing that it's happening if I was Hudson-Odoi I'd go if I was Diaz I'm not English so I don't care you know it's just what's going to happen um, we should move on for transfers but I, I want to mention one last thing about Hudson-Odoi I love that Bayern Munich are just panicking and seeing that Dortmund are winning the league yeah, we'll they've do the got same a young thing. English guy <laughs> yeah. who's good uh, we need a young English winger that's good oh, we'll buy that guy so it does think of like desperation of like oh we've got to copy Dortmund and be better at it I don't think he's in the same league as Sancho he's, well, not, he's, he's in the Prem is usually, he <laughs> usually the way they do it is just by buying the Dortmund's best player that's what I've always hated yeah. about Germany. It's like usually like, well, that Dortmund are quite good. We better buy their best players. Yeah. Like, bleh. <laughs> um, let's quickly touch on the Asian Cup because the Socceroos did lose their first game 1-0 to Jordan. Um, they had 77% possession and did wow. nothing with it. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Because um, watching the highlights of that game, which is the only thing I've seen, most of the better chances seem to come to Jordan. <laughs> Australia had the ball and did nothing with it. Reigning uh, champions, by the way. Reigning yes. Asia Cup holders. Um, and they have two more group games. They have Palestine on Friday at 10pm and they play Syria next Wednesday. So they basically need to win those two to get through. It's so crap. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but like... It is. If you're going to put this thing on the on the football map, like it's for those who aren't in Asia, which yeah. is some people who listen yeah. to this, it's like the European Cup. Like, it's yeah. like the Euros, but it's in Asia and it's in the middle of the season and, yeah. and no one cares. And you watch games and there's no one in the crowd. Where is it this year? It's in the UAE. It's in the UAE. Well, great. That's great. And there's no one there. There's no one watching it. The standard of football's crap. Most of the teams have got full of injuries because it's in the middle of the European football season. So there's not many people playing. The only thing, if Australia comes second in their group, they'll avoid Japan. So they're more likely to get Japan. If they win the group, they can go, they'll hit Japan in the next round. And sorry, the group is Jordan, Palestine and Syria. Yep. 
you've got to get through that. I don't know where to start with <laughs> with that, but you've got to get through that. Um, Matt Ryan made an amazing save in this game from the yeah. free kick. Like he's a, you know, he's making a name for himself in the Premier League as a, a bit of a shot stopper. He made an incredible save. Palestine. Where do they where do they play their games? I don't know. Too political for me to know how what to answer. I'm not asking a political yeah. question. I'm just just being if I'm going to be yeah. pragmatic. What? How does that work? I genuinely don't know. The car's a strip. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so basically Australia need to beat Palestine on Friday at 10 o'clock to have a chance. But let's move on to next weekend. Um, next weekend, the Premier League is back. Um, and it's relegation battles yeah, out some, of our ears. Some old-fashioned six-pointers, isn't there? Burnley v Fulham and Cardiff v Huddersfield. Now, Burnley v Fulham... Burnley got a win last week, uh, or two weeks ago now. Two in and, a row. And they've won two in a row. Fulham need to do something. In my opinion, this game's got a nil-nil written all over it. <laughs> I can't see anything other than a nil-nil. So you think Fulham can keep a clean sheet? Yeah. Well, I know Ranieri has tightened them up a bit. Yeah, but that. But he'll go, we can't lose to our rival. Burnley will go, oh, we can't concede, we'll hopefully grab a goal. Nil-nil. I think that <laughs> Fulham might have a chance in this. And here's my... Here's my reasoning, okay? We know that Burnley allow teams to shoot from distance. They defend yes. in a way that they just yeah. let you have pot shots from 35 yeah. yards. And the thing is, last year the shots weren't going in, and this year they are. And that's the only difference in Burnley. Fulham have a whole front four that love taking pot shots from distance. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually think of all the teams to really... Because Fulham, they can't penetrate. They can't play balls in behind. They, they, they just score wonder goals from 35 yards and they concede four. Yeah. So I actually think that if any team has got the, got the goods to get past Burnley, Fulham have got it in them. Do you think Fulham could uh, get the points there? I do. I, I, I mean, only on that basic logic. The, the problem is I don't think that they can keep a clean sheet. And they're in for Gary Cahill, which I think would be a great signing for Fulham. But Would it? Oh, I, don't, I don't think Gary Cahill's very oh, good When anymore. you look at Fulham and you go, guy who's won the Euro Champions League, he's won the Premier League, played for England 60-odd times, he's a lot better than Callum Chambers. It's ex- yeah, Callum and- Chambers was a horrible <laughs> signing. And he'd organise a defence on the pitch, and that is exactly yeah, what he got a leader. I, I, I quite rate Alfie Mawson, though. He, he hasn't yeah. really done very but well. But he's also year. a young player. Like yeah. Gary Cahill's experience playing the Premier League for the last 15 years. Yeah, maybe. I, I think Cahill and Mawson, if one was born a year later, one was born a year earlier, they might play for England together. They, they have the talent to do so. Yeah, I mean yeah, that would be a good sense. Certainly not under Gareth Southgate, but that would have been something that would have been slightly possible. Maybe like, they've been in not... England squads together, so that's the thing. So I do, I do think that's a great signing. So I just don't think they're there yet. Let's. I hope that Fulham win. I really do because then it all tightens up again down there. Yeah. It's down to one point, and um, whereas if Burnley win that game, it's starting to look a bit ugly for Fulham. Huddersfield, Cardiff. I Huddersfield are doomed, aren't they? <laughs> like we mentioned them earlier, and we talked about them a bit. But I think like Cardiff, Cardiff lost in the cup as well um, to Gillingham one nil. Um, Their form lately has been really good, though. Like Warnock's yeah. got them. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're winning games, and their home, their away record's been awful, as you might expect, and their home record's been very good, which makes me look at this game and go, well, Huddersfield are going to struggle. My biggest fear is that Warnock is teetering on the verge of madness. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he has been for like 20 years. No, but, but yeah, he has. But there's always a point in the season where it all goes wrong. Where he cracks. And I feel like it's happening so early this year. Usually it's towards the end. He gets outraged about something. He got very angry about uh, Nathaniel Klein. Yeah, and Spurs playing in Wembley. He said they should be banned for moving yeah. to the new stadium playing in Wembley because it's not fair. Like, he's already having these little... And that's when the cracks appear in yeah. him. Although at the start of the season, he did say that guy from his team should never have got sent off. When he, You remember he just ran and slived him down two foot. <laughs> yeah. And he was running through and nobody was like, oh, they didn't kill him, though, did he? Yeah, I just, I just, that's my only fear for Cardiff. They're doing great and I love Neil Warnock. I'd love him to stay in the league another year. I, I'd love him to live forever because yeah. I think he's amazing. But you think it might but start to come undone? There is a pattern with Neil Warnock yes. and I fear he's, he's coming into stage four too early. Can Huddersfield win with no Moy, though? No. I, don't, I just don't think they can't can. get goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go on to the title race. So Liverpool have lost two in a row. So basically, are in disaster zone. Um, they play Brighton away, which, in my opinion, is actually a real nightmare of a game when you're lost two in a row and you need a win. Brighton are good at defending. Yeah. And they're good at home. So I, for Liverpool, I think that's a really annoying game to have. They're not just good at defending. Brighton play well against teams that attack. Yeah. So that they are set up to absorb attacks and not in a Leicester four years ago way, in a in a winning the ball back and reacting very quickly kind of way. So I, I actually think that you're you're spot on to highlight that, John. I think this isn't a playing bottom half team easy peasy. It's the wrong kind of team for Liverpool to play right now. And they've generally got a good record against the bigger clubs too. Yeah. yeah. I do think they'll scrape something, Liverpool though. And then Man City play Wolves and Wolves is every top team's worst team. And they've already... Wolves got a draw against them earlier this year. Um, and we all watched that game together. Was, was that the first uh, game of the season? No. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, pretty close. Something near there. And it, Wolves were, were great. And they're undefeated against the top six. Is, is that the... That's mm. the stat. Wow. Um, which, is, which is amazing. Are Wolves the best promoted side ever to come up? No, Ipswich. The Tractor Boys. Marcus Stewart when they came third. And Reading, I and they had Steve Sidwell. I don't know. Did Ipswich come third in the first season up? Yeah, I think so. I actually think the best one that came up was Blackburn, because Blackburn they had all Jack Walker's money, and he oh, right. he bought players in. They won the league. Yeah, they came up the first season. They came up. They were fourth, but were the highest scorers in the league. And then the next season, they won it. You win. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> but Wolves have done the best. In any team for a long while. A long while, yeah. And like you have people like Blackpool did good for six weeks and then plummet. And I loved Blackpool. Though. Yeah, they were really yeah. good. But I think the thing that's really impressed me about Wolves, though, is a few weeks ago we talked about them and they had a really sticky spell where they hadn't won in... They'd lost six in a row, I think. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the games against teams around them that you'd expect that they need to beat if they want to stay up. And they were actually in danger of getting suck the other way you know back into the relegation fight and then all of a sudden they've had like beaten three big teams in a row mm. and, and they're back up to fighting for for seventh and i think if, if you if your best <laughs> fighting for seventh if your best if your best football matches up well against the better teams in the league then i think that to me says that you are a good football team yeah. i agree i agree yeah. and i think um <clears throat> there are a few teams that are definitely battling for the Everton Cup this year I think Watford have got a good chance for it it's catching on yeah I think Leicester have got a good chance for it I think Wolves have got a good chance for it can't discount West Ham but um, I think it's what is five teams 
It's those five. Everton, West Ham, Wolves, Watford, Leicester. They're challenging for the cup. Yeah. Yeah. The cup. The cup. Um, we're <laughs> running out of time. So quickly, um, on Spurs and Man United, it's of Solskjaer's first proper test uh, of actually playing a good team. He's won five out of five. Is Man United going to get a result against Spurs away? Like, is his, is his, his name's not really Gunner. Yeah, Oli Gunner. Oli Gunner. Gunner. Like, really... G-U-N-N-A-R. So not That's E-R. his middle name? No, it's his double, double barrel first name. Double barrel first name. Yeah. yeah. Like Jean-Paul. What has he put on flight tickets? Ole Gunnar. Without a hyphen or with a hyphen? You can't use a hyphen on... So just Ole Gunnar. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where's he from? Norway. Norway. Is that normal? Norway? Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> it's very normal. I think that Spurs will win. Um, I, I just I think we continually underrate Spurs, uh, and they're they're really good, and I think they're better than Man United. My only thought is that Spurs played this morning in the League Cup, um, so they've played a game extra this week, um, and it was a big game, I suppose, a derby. Yeah. yeah, it is at home for Spurs, which is still Wembley. Um, I just think it's got one all. Like I think. Really boring, but I think it's going to be a draw. I all right, Loro. Yeah, I know. Nil, nil, one all. I'm looking forward to it. I actually think yeah. that with the changes in United, that's going to be a really good game of football. Yeah. Two months ago, that would have been a snooze fest. Yeah, but at least Man United are going to attack. But um, let's go on to side stories. Has anyone got any side stories? Uh, yeah, I do. What have you got, Rog? Um, uh, I've got a few. First one, very quickly. Sunderland beat Newcastle 4 0 this morning. In the. Uh... Oh, you're gonna have. We're gonna talk about that. It's brilliant. The yeah. check, checker day, trade trophy. Yeah. Oh, is, is this Newcastle under 21s? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a time weird derby. Yes. So it's a massive game. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a huge crowd. Though. I was slightly surprised about that. It's like fourteen thousand or something. Yeah, but do you know that Newcastle took two thousand fans, one hundred fans yeah. with them for an under twenty one game, which is amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So there was there was a bit of atmosphere, but yeah, Sunderland got a. a a 4 0. Did you say 14,000 in total? Yeah. For an under 21 game? Yeah, but they. Well, ha- no, no, no. It's a, it's a Sunderland first team. Because so. Oh, it's a trade team yeah. in the tournament. Oh, it's so brilliant. Who won the game? Sunderland 4 0. Sunderland 4 0? Yeah. yeah. Who scored? <laughs> Don't know. Is he from Norway? <laughs> Don't know. Is he double barreled? Um, Is that his name? Double barrel, like Brownhill? The other Jeff one, double barrel. The other one I wanted to talk about <laughs> yeah. was one that made me angry. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That I. Had no idea about until till I read it this week. There are a number of Premier League teams that are charging fees for mascots. I heard that. Now I always thought mm. it was you know it was either a, a kid that's you know not very well or has had a hard time or has uh, won a competition some competition or, or lottery yeah. and they're so excited they get to see their idols. It's amazing, and so it's it's something that makes you feel good about football. And then you read that there are a number of teams out there that don't do that, and it just goes to the highest bidder. And they, well, they the charge like do you, now. Do you know who the highest charger in the league is? If you can guess, Chelsea. No, but close. I can't remember. It's like six hundred and seventy pounds. No, it's West Ham. Seven hundred quid. Fucking dildo brothers. Seven hundred pounds. Now, some of the biggest teams in the league. Don't charge. Man City, Man United, Liverpool being the three big ones. So that's to be a mascot. Every player has a mascot when they walk out. So that's yeah. 11. So 11 times $700. $7,700. Thanks, Jeff. 
um, pounds is pounds a lot of money. Well, that's what they—that's why they're doing it because they're seeing it as a money-making thing. But I'm like, there is enough fucking money in football to like these little things that give us joy that aren't necessarily about money. Like, surely we can keep them. I actually think the Premier League should come out no, and ban it. Rog, I I agree that it's immoral it's and it's horrible, but it's common. So I did a bit of work for the Netball World Cup a few years ago. You both know that. Yeah. Um, and part of a corporate package was included to get on the court and and flip the coin. Yeah. So you know you see the before the games, there's like a little kid, it's just say someone is sick or whatever, flicks the coin. Charity pays for that little kid. Charity pays the cost for that little kid to sit there and flick the coin. It's corporate sponsorship. So for the Netball World Cup they were charging a lot of money to go out and flick the coin before Australia games. It's all every aspect of sport is a money making opportunity. But it should be I think in the Premier League it's like local school kids who can't afford to get because games are so expensive I mean, it's £50 to go to a game if you're 10 years old or if you're a parent and you have three 10 year olds and you want to take them to the game um, and you just can't afford it, it's 150 quid a game you can't afford to do it the mascot thing should be about allowing people who can't afford it to go to a game and yeah, or if you're a kid that's that. got a significant disability and you're having a shit time in life and you don't get a lot of opportunity to go and do these things that other normal kids can do and might bring you joy and they could go and do something like this and meet their idols normal those things normal are kids Rog? no not normal kids but like the you know what I mean in terms of being able to, to and I'm giving you a hard time yeah you are and it, but I, I think those things are important and you know the Man City uh, sisters um, yeah like the yeah, yeah, season yeah. like things like that are brilliant and, I, and you want to I want to see that stuff remain in football and if you if it all just becomes completely mercenary then I think it devalues the game a bit so you, what were the clubs that you said didn't charge Man U, oh, Man City there's a number but there's, there's a big seven or eight there's think. a big and it's a big chunk to do. Well, that's uh, you know credit to them. It's really good. It's certainly, if Man City charged, I'd be disgusted. Yeah. Um, and what, Newcastle charged. Fair enough. While, while we're on the um, <laughs> the similar topic of disgust, did yeah. you see Frank Ribery and the outrage about his stake? Yes, this is amazing. The gold stake. <laughs> it was, wasn't it bizarre like the whole well, video is completely bizarre well because he, he eats this steak that costs a thousand pounds to eat which he could have paid for one and a half mascots which has gold on it <laughs> it's, then, a, it's yeah. a gold plated steak yeah um, but then he posted but the, th- the thing that I find hilarious about this is everyone gave him abuse and then he replied with like oh no leave me alone and fuck you this and fuck you that and I hate your families and I hate everyone and blah 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 Everyone that is a big footballer goes to this same steak restaurant and posts it on Instagram, and it's kind of a common thing. But because it's Frank Ribery, everyone took the piss out of him. And then because it's Frank Ribery, he got upset about it, which just made it into a thing. Yeah, everyone goes there all the time. He said he owed nothing to the haters. Oh my god, (laughs) was it? Is that better or worse than Iniesta posing with someone who went blackface? Yeah, see, that's terrible. However, I've heard that the cultural background of that which is because obviously people black, black, wearing blackface is awful in the Three Kings Day yeah. in Spain is a tradition that's gone on for how many hundreds of years and the three wise men turn up and one is always a black person and it's always done that someone is 
painted up as a black person a white person is painted up black and so in every village in every town in everywhere in Spain does it so I'm not saying it's right but it is a culturally accepted thing that happens in Spain in every household across the whole country so yeah, it's, 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 it's funny because because we li- we live in a <clears throat> in a digital world with social media but you do have to be careful you can't have Salt Bay giving you a gold steak and posing with a with a bloke with chalk on his face you just just like don't, it, don't, it just can't they, happen they're no. only just like you know they're starting to realise in Spain that it isn't appropriate and you know they're now having um, people that are actually black play the uh you know the, ca- the character of that king like um but i i just i i can see where they're coming from with that angle but i still think that that shows a level of ignorance oh, and massively. if anyone finds something offensive then it's offensive just don't do it and yeah. don't do it and i think that iniesta should have been you know in, t- in today's day and age he should have been better advised that just don't do it. It might be, you know, socially acceptable in that particular village, but there are a hell of a lot of people that will be horribly offended by that with good reason. So just don't do it. And as a man who has had black teammates for the last 20 years, you must be aware. Yeah. But Jeff, have you got a song for our end feature? We should move on to end feature. Yeah, I do. Oh, is it a new one? Yeah, it's called Wonderwall. Oh, go on. <laughs> Yeah, a group of cats just walked into the... Um, But it's end feature time. Just to give everyone an update, um, the season so far, Jeff, you're on $47 winnings. I'm on $155 winnings. And Roger's on $382 winnings. So in the next... As a group, by the way, we're down $36 as a whole. Oh, that's not good. So only $36. bucks. Like before that, the down. We don't want to be down. We were up last year. Can I just keep living on the coattails of last year? We'll be up by the end of the season. It's a long season. Um, But just for anyone who's about to listen to what we're about to say, probably listen to Rog rather (laughs) than me or Jeff. Um, But Jeff, do you have a bet ready for this week? I did. I had one really sensible one where Cardiff were going to beat Huddersfield and Burnley were going to beat Fulham and it was paying $4.83. However, I've decided at the last minute not to do that. Oh, good. This is because <laughs> okay. of the insight we've Tell given us more. over the low star. I think that Chelsea-Newcastle will be a draw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's that paying? Uh, it's paying $6. Now, my logic is obviously sound because I lose every week. Yeah. My logic is that Chelsea just lost against Spurs midweek, knackered, played a first team semi-final of the cup. Mm. Come off the back of that. The Chelsea-Newcastle game is on Saturday which means that they don't have much recovery time. Newcastle are managed by a tactical genius, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. and he is also a pragmatist. He will know that defending and avoiding defeat against Chelsea is all he has to do to keep his side teetering away above the relegation zone. So Newcastle will try to not lose this game, and Chelsea won't be able to break them down. I think it's going to be nil-nil. So you, have you, what have you bet on? Just a draw. just a draw because it could be one one or two two or three three because I'm really bad at this. <laughs> but draw at six dollars. Well, I like that bet. I think that's good. Thanks, um, thanks. Roger, you ready with yours? No, you go. Well, uh, so I have bet on Southampton to beat Leicester away wow. at Leicester. It's oh. um, a big call too. Well, it's Southampton used to be managed by Poyal. 
and there's a bit of bad taste there so there's going to be some players playing for Southampton who want to get one over on Poyel Leicester play well against good teams and not so well against shit teams as we saw against Newport County in the cup and Southampton have got a bit of form with the new Rabbit Hutch guy who's worked out a way of playing um, and I just think they can get a result against them so I've gone for Southampton to beat Leicester and then I've also gone for Cardiff to beat Huddersfield because Huddersfield are doomed and I just think like we said Cardiff have found a bit of form and Warnock will go this game we have to win and we'll find a way to win it and those two are paying $9.28 oh Jesus big bet so yeah big one uh, I've I've got my bet. Uh, you taught me round on Fulham. Oh. Now I well, this is actually it's a very bad reason to make a bet, <laughs> but I've gone with romance because I want it to be close at the top and close at the bottom. <laughs> and if Fulham lose this, they're in a bit of trouble. Um, and so I think that it would be nice if it all squeezes up and they can get a result against Burnley. So Fulham to win. Uh, and then I've gone for goals in the Everton Bournemouth because I think that that's just guaranteed because Bournemouth can't defend. Yeah. Uh, and that's paying five eighty one. Nice, good how, one. How many goals? Uh, over two and a half. Sorry. Just, just, just some goals. Just goals. Just yeah. goals. It's <laughs> going to be a goal. Oh, I bet no goals today. Goals. <laughs> um, does anyone have anything else before we go? No. No, it's been great. Nice. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshed. Haven't had an email for a while. At gmail.com. We haven't had one for a little while, so shoot us a line and talk to us. Um, find us on social media. Just search Football Shed. Tell your mates, subscribe. And we'll be back next week. Sorry, I did have one more thing. Can oh, we well. please just give a shout out to the Great Australian Podcast lady who featured us in this year's Great Australian Podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. We were yeah. featured on the Great Australian Podcast this week. So yeah, it's lovely. So, so thanks to her. Rolls of, do you know her name? Cheryl, I think I her, her name Cheryl. is, but uh, lives in Canberra. So thank yeah. you very much let, for Let's just let that roll off the tongue yes. a little bit. Great Australian Podcast. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week.